Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. I think it becomes the opposite of what we need as black and brown people when the focus is just on increasing diversity of black and brown people. Like to have a truly inclusive and diverse environment, we need to put the same focus around every underrepresented group in my opinion. And so I think measuring whether it be the retention of the folks that are moving up through the leadership ranks, creating really intentional programming around mentorship and advocacy to be able to give those employees the support that they need to feel comfortable and to thrive in the environments that they're in. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Rachel, you know, one of the differences between you and me, and in some cases there are many, in some cases there are a few, but one of the differences is I joined Profitero after it had been around a while. You founded Micmac. It's a very, very different risk profile to start a company from scratch versus join something where the clay is still wet, but you still got your clay. Having made that pivot, which we've spoken about in the past, how do you get other people that join to feel the passion that you feel as a founder. Sorry, all I heard from that is that you've been around for a while. It's always about the age gap. <laughs> yeah. Where's HR? I need some help here. It's the power of storytelling. I find that when you're a founder, you need to sell the dream every single day and make people feel a part of this journey and have them care about the why and then also make them understand how they contribute to the why. What I have found, and I'm a focus group of one, is that the passion and enthusiasm that you have for the opportunity is what translates over to them. Every founder I meet, they're so deeply passionate about the opportunity that they saw in market, and that's what translates to their teams. You ever seen somebody get even more passionate about it than you? No. <laughs> <laughs> There is no one in the market who was more passionate about helping people figure out where to buy products than me. I don't know. I think my grandmother might've been one of those people as well. Oh, well then, you know. If that's the brief, I feel like my grandmother would just like, she would say, oh, you know what? It's not in stock in this target. You should go to that other target. But it was a little pre-internet. Over time, what the passion translates to is the journey. I talk about, I've been building Micmac for eight and a half years and I have great nostalgia for every single year that's happened. And I think also the telling of that story and then employees who have been here creates a lot of enthusiasm for charging ahead. One of the things that's so difficult, especially you guys have grown so exceptionally well and healthily. How do you know when you know that the people that got you to a certain point of maturity are not necessarily the people that are going to get you to that next level of maturity? 
that's been the hardest thing for me as a founder. Based on different growth periods or different challenges or strategic direction choices that you might make, it really does change the talent that you might need in the building. And at the end of the day, like Profitero, and we're about to hear from Partake Foods, all of these people that we get to employ and be a part of the journey, they're talented. And if they're not right for you and the skills that are needed right now, it doesn't make them less talented. It's just more about fit and alignment. And we want everyone to be successful. And sometimes you have to make the hard decisions that maybe they need to be successful elsewhere. And that's that's really, really tough. And I'm not going to pretend that I am the greatest at it because especially with long-term employees, you have an emotional relationship with them. And so it's hard. Any founder will tell you that often the people who got you from zero to 1 million, 1 million to 10, 10 to 50, 50 to 100, like the skill sets change at those breaking points. Oh, absolutely. Even though I, I haven't been a founder of Profitero, every time you get to a different life stage of a company, you kind of know these are the people that are going to grow with you and just have the combination of hunger and the curiosity and the, frankly, willingness to go learn what it's like to be at the next stage. We're going to be hearing from Denise, who's the founder and CEO of Partake Foods. She started selling cookies out of the back of her car and is now in 9,000 stores. Talk about scale and talent management. You guys are going to really enjoy this one, so have a listen. Today, we are super excited to have Denise Woodward, the founder and CEO of Partake Foods, onto the show. One day, I feel with great certainty that Partake will be one of the biggest food brands. So everyone today, you're going to hear it here first and hear an incredible story from a great founder. Hey, Denise. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about our conversation. Yeah. Well, Denise, you have a background that's really similar to a lot of our listeners. So a lot of our listeners work at big CPG companies. You were at Coca-Cola for nearly a decade, and then you left to start your own company. What was that decision-making process to take this leap of faith to start Partake? So Partake is a natural food brand that makes allergy-friendly cookies and baking mixes. And it was inspired by my daughter, Vivian, who has multiple food allergies. And so it was easy to make the leap. I shouldn't say easy, but I was willing to make the leap because I was so passionate about the need for the product that we were making. And I wanted to be able to serve food allergy families like my own. Was it a challenging decision to leave big CPG and that cushy paycheck? The cushy paycheck I still miss. <laughs> I had the pretty serendipitous opportunity in my career at Coke after spending time working on the trademark brands to lead sales for their venturing and emerging brands group. And so I got to work with high growth mission oriented startups and I got to see regular people like myself who are really passionate about solving a problem, create phenomenal businesses. And so I felt fired up because of that. I felt fired up because of the personal problem my family was experiencing and wanting to be able to solve that. And then we had a pretty serendipitous, almost like out of a movie event happen. It was a Saturday afternoon at the zoo. I was telling my husband, Jeremy, you won't believe the idea that I have to start this business for partake. And the person in line in front of us, I wish I knew where he was because I would tell him thank you, turned around and said, sounds like you have a great idea. You should do something about it. That was a Saturday afternoon. He told me about a small business pitch competition in New Jersey called the Start Something Challenge. The deadline to enter was that Monday. I went home, created an LLC that I called Vivi's Life because I didn't know what I was going to do other than make my daughter Vivi's life a little bit easier. 
entered the pitch competition. We won. It came with $10,000 in seed capital, which was great. But more importantly, it came with local press, which forced me to tell Coca-Cola very early on about my idea. And so it made the decision to leave a bit easier because while they were supportive, they were like, when you have an actual product, there's a conflict of interest here and you got to hit the road. And so (laughs) I feel like the decision was made for me. And I think that was probably one of the biggest blessings in disguise that I've had on this journey. I love that. New Jersey Star Ledger or the Bergen Record? New Jersey Star Ledger and NJ.com. Love it. As someone who grew up in New Jersey, I have heart for that brand. (laughs) I love it. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. So here we are moving forward. You can find your products 9,000 stores nationwide, Target, Kroger, Whole Foods, Walmart, and my local kosher grocer, which makes me a very happy person. Sure, you come from Coke and many others, and you've got plenty of really thoughtful, experienced CPG brands, but we all, by we all, I mean our listeners as well, know how hard it is to get this kind of distribution. How did you make it happen over such a short period of time? We started small. I had the idea for Partake in the summer of 2016. I left Coke in August of 2017. For the first year, I sold cookies out of my car to natural food stores in New York City. I was the only full-time employee at the company until June. Wait, wait, wait. You're like Girl Scouts on awesomeness. That is just <laughs> like incredible. I had all these different routes. One day I'd go to Brooklyn. One day I'd go to the Upper West Side. And, and I did that for a year. I did hundreds of demos. I did local trade shows on the weekends, worked farmers markets in New Jersey and New York, and really just spent time hitting the ground to understand who our consumer was, why they were buying the product. And so when we were ready to expand our retail distribution, I felt better equipped to know what retailers would be the right fit for us and what marketing strategies would help move the product off the shelf. And the next year we went into a region of Whole Foods and we went into Wegmans and we ran the exact same play. We knew that demos worked really well for us at the time because when people tasted the product and heard the story, they fell in love. And we did that for another year. And the next year, in the summer of 2019, after raising a million dollars in seed funding, we were able to start to expand distribution more meaningfully. It wasn't overnight that we grew the distribution from the selling cookies out of car to 9,000 stores, but really just a very stair-stepped approach. Last year, for a lot of the brands that Sarah and I talk with day in and day out, it was a challenging year for the challenger brands in their portfolio, the smaller brands. What we saw from them is that with the shift to retail media, where it's really pay to play, all of a sudden, these smaller brands couldn't meet the mark to compete within environments like paid search within retail.com. Plus, they had production and fulfillment issues. How are you thinking about navigating headwinds in 2023? You are definitely accurate. 22 was a challenge for all of the reasons that you named. As we think 
about sitting on store shelves alongside big brands and how to compete, there's a few things that come to mind for us. So one, we're partnering with retailers that I feel like really believe in our brand and are supportive of our brand. And so that's been one of the things that's really helped us because we feel like our retail partners have helped get behind the brand, particularly in key moments, whether that be Black History Month, Women's History Month, back to school, that's really helped our product move. We've doubled down on building our community, whether that be our food allergy consumers. I find that consumers fall into kind of two groups, half that have food allergies and then other half being kind of flexitarian, wanting a more health conscious product, gluten-free, plant-based. And so really doubling down on building community through sampling efforts, through local events, things like that. I started this brand as a scrappy brand. We bootstrapped. I sold my engagement ring, emptied my 401k, maxed out my credit cards to fund this business. So I know what it's like to operate in a tough environment. And so it just makes us get even closer to the business, makes us track the ROI on every single decision that we're making. And we're used to being a scrappy organization. And I don't want to turn it into a Micmac commercial, but I will say it's tools like Micmac, I swear, I, I think where we don't want to blindly spend our dollars, but we know that we have to support our retail business. And it's tools like Micmac that give us visibility on where our consumers are in the funnel from a consideration to purchase perspective. And it allows us to support our retail partners. And so finding tools that allow us to understand what ROI we're getting to be able to support our retail business, really doubling down on building community, and then partnering with the right retailers who understand our brand proposition and want to get behind our brand or how we're thinking about addressing 2023. Thank you. That was not planned at all. No, it wasn't. I'm so happy to hear the value we're getting out of the partnership with you. Can we dive a little bit deeper into the retailers? So a lot of conversations that we have are about developing the right relationships with the right merchants and how that is a key part of growth strategy and and what you just said, helping them understand what the opportunity is. How have you approached like educating that buyer market around your category and what the opportunity is? I think that'd be really valuable for our listeners. Sure. So Back in 2017, with Ziploc bag samples, I dragged my husband to Expo West, the trade show, and I said, if you see anyone from Target or Whole Foods, I don't care where they're at, pull them to the side. He found the head of supplier diversity from Target in the bathroom line at Expo West, and that is where our relationship began. And I think for us, they have been a phenomenal case study in building a relationship from the ground up. The next year we attended their Black-owned business fair because they had Black-owned business fairs and they thought about DE&I before 2020. And they helped us understand what it would take to be successful on their store shelves. They gave us feedback on our packaging, on what they needed to see in rest of market before bringing us in. And then when they brought us in, they supported our brand, they nurtured us, and they gave us a chance. They were our first national customer. I thought they would give us a small test. And it was kind of one of those bet the company moments. We got the business award notification and it was 1,600 stores. And before that, you know, I was still delivering cookies out of my car the month prior. And so we're like, do we do this? Are we ready? And we like we were, we dove in. And what started as three flavors of cookies on their store shelves, we have an always on seasonal strategy with them where you can find Christmas cookies and Halloween cookies and Valentine's cookies that are on shelves. We are testing our pancake waffle mix in over 500 of their stores. And so I think that some retailers, like they already understood the proposition around why supporting diverse brands matters, that their consumers wanted health and wellness and allergy sensitive products. And so it was an easier 
we were able to create a story there that we've been able to now take to other retailers and say, see what happens when you give us a shot. It's so powerful. And damn, the bathroom line with your (laughs) husband, like that was the breaking moment. I love it. Not as glamorous as one would have expected, but I have a similar story about Jeff Bezos. I met him on a buffet line. No way. Yes. That's a whole other different story, but it's these lines that are just like where the magic happens. I do not have such an interesting story. Not even a little bit, (laughs) but I want to talk a little bit about the scrappiness and the balance of being scrappy and yet being a grown up. All three of us are entrepreneurs. All three of us have built businesses from scratch, each very different, each over different periods of time. One of the biggest challenges is making sure you're hiring the right people and that they have the same kind of ownership culture that you do. Are there any kind of tips or tricks that you've learned from your experience that makes you figure out like how to find the combination of the scrappy and the professional? I read a book by Patrick Lencioni called The Ideal Team Player, and it talks about hiring for humble, hungry, and smart. And that's what we do. So from a hungry perspective, like I need my teammates to want this as bad as I do. I want them to see the mission and vision and know what the opportunity is for this business and to go after it every single day. And from a humble perspective, while I want to make sure we have the resources we need to thrive, it's also a startup and you got to roll your sleeves up and be willing to like think about the five-year strategy. But sometimes you got to put the fires out and be in the weeds as well, because we don't have a ton of people. And then from a smart perspective, less about IQ and more about EQ and how you do things and how you treat people and how you think about the way you show up for the company. And so as I've used that lens to build out the team, we have thankfully, I think, got the right team members in the right seats. I got to read that book. I think we need to publish a Brave Commerce book list because sometimes we get such great ideas from our guests. So thank you. No, that's great. I've always tried. And sometimes, you know, you'll find the right people. Sometimes you won't, but you can see where the hunger comes from. And I guess on a related note, we're coming up on Black History Month. As a leader who is a person of color, like how do you think our industry needs to get more diversity at the top? We all talk about it, but if you're not seeing enough people, where is it going to come from? So I think that folks have to be action-oriented And I think that it's important to measure the results because I feel like there's some saying about what matters, you measure, whatever it may be. And I think that we need to create environments where diverse folks, Black, Brown, Asian, LGBTQ, like I think it becomes the opposite of what we need as Black and Brown people when the focus is just on increasing diversity of Black and Brown people. Like to have a truly inclusive and diverse environment, we need to put the same focus around every underrepresented group, in my opinion. And so I think measuring whether it be the retention of the folks that are moving up through the leadership ranks, creating really intentional programming around mentorship and advocacy to be able to give those employees the support that they need to feel comfortable and to thrive in the environments that they're in. When you look at the interview slates, making sure that you're bringing diverse candidates to the table and that you're doing so in an intentional way. And so I think a lot of it comes down to your point around, like, there's a lot of talk, there needs to be action, and there needs to be like measurable success outcomes that we're tracking to make sure that we're moving forward in the right direction. Well, Denise, you quit your job, you've maxed out your credit cards, you sold your engagement ring. What is the bravest thing that you've ever done? The bravest thing that I've done 
I think was leave a corporate career that was so comfortable to start and build a company from scratch. It's hard, but it's phenomenal to watch your growth. I think you and I only met maybe a year and a half ago. And just to even see the brand appear in so many places in my daily life, it's, it's amazing to watch. I appreciate it. Well, if you haven't tried Partake, this is your chance. You can definitely buy it at Target, but you can also buy it at partakefoods.com and find out where else to buy it there. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.